The Education Apple, Episode 1. Education Apple. This is the first episode of our podcast, and uh, this is a show that discusses Apple technology as it relates to education specifically, and uh, Apple technology as it relates to society in general and as it intersects our daily lives. Uh, I'm your host, Bill Brazil, and I'm joined today by Barrett Mossbacker, superintendent of Briarwood Christian School, and uh, Tim Towns, professor and chair of Biochemistry and Molecular Genetics Department at UAB. Did I get that right, Tim? That's a, a long title. That's great. All right, and uh, welcome, Barrett. Good to have you with us, and we look forward to um, uh, discussions we have related to uh, the school. So um, this is kind of a big, big night. It's a kickoff of college football season, and Mitt Romney's speaking at the uh, – Republican National Convention, and it's the first episode of our podcast. So um, that's a lot of excitement for one night, but hopefully uh, we can uh, take all that in. I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm recording the uh, the other two events to view a little bit later. But um, right. the uh, especially the football, yeah. <laughs> well, the football. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, that's important here in the southeast. So. Uh, but, you know, at the Republican convention, they do have a secret guest speaker tonight that's, uh, I think it's slipped out that it's Clint Eastwood. So um, <laughs> that'll be, that could be interesting to uh, see what he has to say. But uh, anyway, have y'all been following that very closely? Uh, I have been, yes. Yeah, I uh, uh, listened to the speeches last night and uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think they uh, they were were pretty good, especially uh, Condoleezza Rice. We can highlight her since she uh, is from our hometown here in Birmingham, Alabama. But uh, anyway, so um, just to uh, kind of give you a, a little background and framework of what this podcast is about, uh, we want to primarily deal with uh, Apple technology uh, as it relates to education. Uh, and partly as it relates to living in society today, I think uh, we can all agree that uh, it, it, technology intersects our lives in a, a lot of different ways these days. It's hard to do much of anything without um, having to interact with technology. So we want to uh, discuss that. And we're, we're primarily focused on Apple-type uh, technology, but there will be other times. There will be times when uh, there will be tools and um applications that uh, may be, uh, you know, related to Windows or other areas that uh, we'll want to talk about. But the primary focus here will be uh, related to Apple. And then, um, you know, technology is becoming more and more integrated in our lives today, and uh, we just want to take a closer look at uh, that phenomenon. And specifically, uh, we're going to uh, follow uh, a rollout of technology and education 
as it relates to uh, Briarwood Christian School. They're looking at a, um, a one-to-one program utilizing Apple resources and tools. And as that get kicks off and uh, we get further into uh, that program, we'll be talking about specifics um, that uh, – relate to that program and hopefully that'll be a a help to um, a number of listeners that may be going through the same thing or contemplating um, uh, starting a one-to-one program in their schools so um, those are the kind of things we want to uh, focus on as we we uh, move through and develop this podcast and uh, we'll be talking more about that shortly uh, for today's episode, but I did want to give uh, our listeners a little background on uh, each one of us. As I mentioned, um, there are three of us that will be uh, discussing and, and hosting this podcast. And so um, to give you a little bit of a background, um, I'm going to ask uh, Barrett and Tim to um, – uh, give uh, some information about themselves and their uh, fields and what they uh, do, where they've been, where they're going. And so, um, and then I'll share some background on myself as well. But Barrett, I'll uh, throw it over to you so you can share a little bit about yourself. Well, Bill, it's good to be with you. And Tim, uh, I had the privilege of growing up in the U.S. Air Force. My dad was a 20-year uh, veteran of the United States Air Force, and so I uh, grew up in many of the states and also several other countries. Then I went off to college and earned my undergraduate degree in business, and for a period of time, I worked for a number of U.S. corporations. And I also spent some time as a management and legal consultant with the Legal Services Corporation in Washington, D.C., and then through a series of events, I ended up becoming the founding headmaster of Covenant Day School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, took that position, began to start the school, and then went on for my graduate work. Uh, and my doctorate was actually in technology integration and organizational systemic change. And so my research uh, for my doctorate was related very specifically to schools and technology integration. Uh, I currently have the privilege of serving as the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School. Uh, I am married, and I have three beautiful daughters. All right. Thank you, Barrett. And Tim, what about yourself? Um, yeah, Bill and Barrett, it is a uh, joy to be with you both on this uh, podcast. I uh, grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I went to the University of Tennessee and have been a lifelong volunteer fan. I um, uh, then got a Ph.D. degree actually in microbiology, uh, but I'm a, really a biochemist and molecular uh, geneticist. Um, really by practice. Uh, I've been at UAB here in the School of Medicine on the faculty for 28 years. Uh, I've been chairman of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Genetics for the past 12 years. And so I, uh, uh, our research, that is the research in our laboratory, is uh, the study of of the way genes are regulated, and uh, we specifically apply the knowledge we gain from understanding how these genes are turned on and turned off, that is the biochemical mechanisms that uh, determine whether genes are expressed or not expressed. Uh, We apply that to um, developing new therapies for hereditary diseases, especially hereditary blood diseases. So um, I also 
uh, have administrative responsibilities, and we also teach. Uh, we uh, our faculty has the responsibility of teaching biochemistry and molecular genetics to the medical students. So okay. that's what I do. <laughs> great, great. Thank you, Tim. Um, and uh, my background is uh, primarily um, computer technology. I've been in the field of uh, computer work for over 30 years in one form or another. I started out as a uh, a programmer with Bell South in the telecom industry in the early 80s and um, of course at that time we dealt mainly with mainframe technology and centralized systems but then I uh, uh, moved into client server architecture and PCs in the early 90s and uh, then the internet came into the scene uh, and I got caught up in that wave so uh, so much so that I left the telco industry for a few years, started a web development company with several other guys, and uh, those were uh, the early years of the Internet. We had a lot to do uh, to convince uh, our uh, customers and companies to put websites up and believe the Internet had a future for them. Most of them um, you know, didn't have a clue of what the Internet was about, so we we spent a lot of time educating people uh, in the early years about what that was all about. Of course, today uh, that's not necessary at all, but uh, we did spend a lot of time um, learning and teaching others about the Internet uh, in the early years, and that was a lot of fun. I learned uh, a tremendous amount during those years, so I really enjoyed that. But uh, uh, we sold that business. I started another uh, business of my own as well as uh, returning to the telco industry, uh, in the late or, or mid-90s, I guess it was. And then um, shortly after that, uh, I guess it was about 2002 to be exact, Apple introduced OS X, uh, which was their first Unix-based operating system. And uh, that really caught my attention along with um, their audio, video, and photo creation capabilities of that platform. And uh, I quickly became a, an Apple fan, so uh, I kind of straddle the fence. I work in both Windows uh, and Apple these days. Um, I think both of them have uh, benefits and something to offer in different areas, but uh, I do spend a lot of time uh, working with uh, Apple uh, these days and, and uh, the different technologies that, that Apple brings about. So, um, But now currently I'm a Senior technical architect with AT&T, and I, des I design uh, large systems and infrastructure for internal AT&T needs. And uh, my personal business is uh, called EasyNet Solutions. I do a lot of consulting and training focused on Apple technology and products, and uh, also do some video work and a little bit of web and internet development and uh, computer and, and network support. So. Um, all that to say uh, that I have a fairly extensive very, and very technical background and uh, hopefully can add to this podcast from that perspective. So, um, And you can tell uh, we've <laughs> all three of us have a pretty varied background um, and coming at this from uh, different perspectives. So hopefully that will um, give some good insight uh, to the topics that we discuss uh, from, from week to week. So. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's a little bit about all of us, so hopefully that will um, give you an idea of where we're coming from.
Bill, I've known you for a long time. I didn't know all that. That was very interesting. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I don't talk a whole lot about that, but that's uh, that's my upbringing anyway in the technical world. So, um, all right. So moving on, I uh, wanted to just kind of lay out the format of the show, and uh, we'll only do this once, so, um, you know, uh, you'll get a feel of, of how we're um, – kind of laying the show out for you, but um, we've uh, kind of broken it up into four different pieces, and uh, the first piece is going to be dealing with uh, classroom computing, and uh, Barrett's going to kind of lead this section off uh, from week to week and discussing the uh, stages uh, of a rollout of a one-to-one program. He's done this in the past, and uh, getting ready to kick off another program um, shortly. So, um, you know, hopefully that'll be helpful for all of the educators out there, uh, listening in, uh, in and, um, it provides some good insights, uh, and helps as, uh, y'all move through, uh, similar programs of your own. And then, um, I'm going to kind of, uh, highlight some tech trends, uh, as they relate to, uh, current events in the Apple world primarily. And, um, other technology uh, as it comes about from from week to week, and um, also review. Uh, you know, the reviews will be geared towards productivity and effectiveness and efficiency um, that would be supported by new tools and uh, resources. And then uh, third, uh, Tim's going to be um, addressing different issues. Um, and that's going to be uh, kind of the surprise issue of the week, maybe. We don't exactly know how that's going to uh, flow at this point, but he's got a good uh, review to give us tonight. So, um, And then following up uh, the last portion of our show, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, some favorite apps and Twitter followings that each one of us have uh, recently stumbled across and and find helpful. So um, those will be kind of the four sections that we'll be um, uh, addressing uh, from week to week. So um, that's how we're going to lay this out for uh, for this particular podcast. So to kick us off, um, I wanted to uh, turn it over to, to Barrett to kind of discuss um, his section, and um, I'm just going to let him pick it up and uh, hear what he has to say. Yes, Bill. The the decision to move forward uh, with the one-to-one computing program at Briarwood was predicated in part on what is the current state of technology and what are some of these trends. And there were, you know, seven or eight, maybe nine different things I was looking at to determine whether or not this was the right time to do a one-to-one program at the school. Uh, the first one was we wanted to make sure that the technology was right, and that included a light, portable form factor. Uh, we wanted technology where it had long battery life for the students. Uh, you don't want to be in a in an algebra class and have your batteries die on you when you're trying to take notes and record lectures and different things of that nature. We also wanted to to wait until there was some form of easy or almost automatic backup systems for student work uh, to ensure that they did not lose their work. And, of course, the pricing. Uh, the good thing about technology over the years is that the technology gets better but relatively less expensive. And so we were looking for the technology to be right. The second thing was it was going to be important to have wide access to broadband at reasonable prices. 
so that most families would have that uh, in their homes so that the mobile computing devices would be just as effective at home doing homework and research and working collaboratively together as it was at the school with uh, broadband capabilities. And then, of course, I've already touched upon the fact uh, in terms of mobile computing, uh, battery life, uh, smaller slimline designs, for example, the iPad have made that uh, very possible, uh, very economical, uh, whether it's a tablet or whether it's a smartphone type of technology. And then, of course, there's been the very rapid acceptance of ebooks. In fact, the last statistic I saw shows that on Amazon, for example, that ebooks are rapidly outselling print books at this point. And so, because of that development, we now have publishers of curriculum who are rapidly moving to digital textbooks as well. Then, of course, you have the, the broader uh, trends going on with the globalization and the need to prepare our students for collaborative learning and collaborative work environments. All of those things have sort of conspired together so that now parents and students are increasingly expecting schools to provide good technology as an integral part of student learning and teaching. In the past, most of technology has been relegated to a computer lab in which students were taught technology, so they were learning technology. What is happening now is we want to use technology to learn the other subjects. And so that has also occurred in terms of student and parent expectations. And then finally, the rapid growth and acceptance of online learning. So when all of those various trends came together, it seemed that this now was the right time to integrate the technology in a one-to-one -one platform that would be highly effective. It would enhance and expand the opportunities for students to learn, but that pretty quickly the technology, once the excitement died down, would move out of the way and the focus would remain upon uh, teaching and learning. So, Bill and Tim, those were the main reasons why we decided now was a good time to move forward uh, at Briarwood. Okay, and you're I guess just thinking right now, you're thinking about uh, putting iPads in each one of the students' hands and that being kind of their primary uh, platform for, for their studies and the schoolwork. Is that what you're thinking? Now, primarily, what, what we're going to do is all of the faculty members will receive both – have actually already received a MacBook as well as an iPad, and then the students will be issued iPads. But in addition to that, we are going to have mobile MacBook carts available for if, if a class or a student needs uh, more computing power, they'll have immediate access to the Macs. And then we intend also to make Macs available in our library uh, for checkout and take home. If, for example, a student wants to continue the work, perhaps they don't have the kind of technology at home that's compatible with what we're trying to do, uh, he or she would be able to check out a MacBook, take it home, use it for those more robust, complex purposes, and then return it the next day or two, just much like a book. So we're actually going to mix it a good bit within the context of our school. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. And um, as far as the teachers are concerned, you're giving them um, a lot of lead time in terms of getting used to the technology and uh, learning the platforms and trying to get a head start on, on the students. Is that right? Uh, yes. The, the teachers received their devices in June the first student will not receive their the first the students will not receive their devices until January and that will be our seventh and eighth graders and then our high school students will not receive devices until the, about a year from now next August and that's by design because all of our faculty right now are intensive training with Apple for the next uh, several years and that began in early August 
Plus, we are providing a substantial amount of in-house training to all of our faculty so that the idea is that the teachers become very proficient with the use of the technology so that once the students reach the classroom, the teachers have already designed their lessons around that technology. They feel comfortable with the technology, and they remain, again, focused not on how to get something to work but on how to use it effectively to teach. And so that's been very intentional to, to roll that out quickly with teachers but more slowly with the students. Yeah, I think that will really pay off in the long run. And um, I'm really interested to see how all that's going to play out. And uh, that will be I guess part of what we're going to be talking about uh, in future episodes is how that's working and um, maybe what needs to be uh, what's working well and what needs to be changed and just kind of following that process through uh, again, hopefully to be helpful to, um, to others as we learn through the process. So um, I believe that's where we're all coming from. So that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking anyway. Okay, Barrett, well, I appreciate you sharing that, and um, we can move on to the next section, which I wanted to um, just highlight some some current events and some uh, uh, trends in technology. And uh, this past week, uh, we had a, a fairly significant event happen, not uh, specifically in the technology world, but it kind of lent. Uh, led me to think a little bit, and it uh, it related around Neil Armstrong's death. I guess y'all were aware that uh, he passed. I think uh, it'd be hard to for anybody to to miss that piece of news. But of course, he was the the first man to to walk on the on the moon. And uh, I remember specifically where I was when that event happened. I'm guessing you guys do too. Oh yes, yes. And when I heard about his passing, I have to admit it was it was sad. You know it's going to happen, but when you really think about the very first man to ever put his foot on the moon, that that's a pretty astounding event. And so I clearly remember where I was. Yeah, that definitely was a major milestone in our history. Where were you, Tim, when all that happened? I was actually playing uh, football. That was <laughs> – Played high school football, and we uh, was fortunate enough to make an all-star team in Tennessee. And we were practicing uh, for that week to play in this East-West All-Star game. And I watched it with all those guys, and we were, you know, high school seniors, uh, and were just mesmerized by it. Yeah, uh, it was. Phenomenal. I can remember it just like it was yesterday. Yeah, me too. I remember sitting about six feet away from the TV screen. I think I was about eight years old, and, uh, of course, that's too young to really fully understand. But um, I remember watching him on the TV and then going outside and looking up at the moon and thinking there was actually a person or a couple people up there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty yeah. amazing. But and anyway. I, but look up at the moon, you know, right when I, that night, I uh, was just out taking a walk and looked up at the moon. It wasn't completely full, but pretty close. And yep. just thinking about his footprint up there. Yeah, exactly. And actually, the words that he said, too, I mm-hmm. thought was spectacular. Yeah, that that was pretty special. But what it made me think about was um, 
the computing technology that they used uh, in that Apollo 11 uh, spaceship, and um, yeah, they had a, a Apollo guidance computer. I think they called it the AGP, and uh, that was what basically, you know, controlled the uh, spacecraft and did all the computing needs that they had. And um, you know, uh, I think they had uh, in that computer there was like 2K of memory and 32K of read-only storage. And then the uh, the uh, CPU actually ran at about uh, 1.024 megahertz, I think it was. And of course, that's just uh, <laughs> that's nothing compared to what we have today. So I was thinking, well, what what is our iPhone or you know the computers we use today? We carry around in our pocket the iPhone 4, and it's got a clock speed of you know one gigahertz with 500 meg of RAM. So that makes it uh, about a thousand times faster from the CPU standpoint, and uh, 250 thousand times more storage capacity than that Apollo 11 onboard computer. So <laughs> that's uh, mind-boggling that they could actually do what they did on such a, a, a you know small, relatively small in comparison to what we have today, computer. But uh, you know we've we've come a long way, and um, you know there's there's a responsibility with that too. I think that we have such um, uh, processing power in our pockets and, and what we work with day in and day out. And, uh, you know, we need to uh, use that processing power responsibly, I think. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind um, as we move forward with projects and programs we're talking about here. But uh, that was just a, an interesting comparison I thought of. And, of course, that's nothing to say for the um, the price. I don't know what <laughs> what it would have been or what the cost was of that uh first uh Apollo 11 computer but uh you know today you're, you can get your Apple uh iPhone for $200 so um I'm sure there's a a huge difference in cost uh from that standpoint as well so that was uh, one thought I had for the week. And, uh, of course, the other big news was um, the Apple uh, versus Samsung lawsuit. We uh, got a ruling late last week on on uh, that. And Apple won on most of the smartphone patent infringement issues, I believe, not so much on the, the tablet side, but uh, Apple did come out um, – uh, on the uh, the uh, the phone settlement pretty well. Of course, the money, I think it was $1 billion. It could go up to $3 billion on what the settlement is supposed to be from Samsung to Apple. Of course, that's just a drop in the bucket uh, from Apple's standpoint. But I think it was much more about the, um, the principle than about the money involved. And uh, I heard somewhere where Tim Cook said he didn't want to be the innovator for the rest of the world and didn't want others stealing their design. So, you know, this may put some teeth into uh, Apple's patents and, uh, you know, kind of level the playing field a little bit if, if that's really what <laughs> what happens. I don't know. But, you know, there's, there's a lot to uh, still play out in this. I'm sure uh, Samsung's going to appeal and things will 
things will get drawn out for a long time, um, no doubt. But, um, you know, the the one thing I guess I would think is, uh, you know, competition is good, and I wouldn't want to hinder that. We just want to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, competitors are using their own technologies and patents and all that when they're uh, competing with each other. So I certainly want a, a playing field where, um, you know, uh, technology advances are, are fast and prices are kept low. And, you know, we definitely need competition there. So hopefully this won't impact that too much. But it is kind of interesting to see um, see how that kind of played out. Did you all have any thoughts or, or um uh, ideas from from that settlement, or what you think about that? Well, I was actually following it pretty closely, and I was intrigued by an article in which Tim Cook had indicated that essentially that values had won, and uh, he wasn't so much uh, spiking the football as it was as just emphasizing the importance of uh, protecting pri- you know uh, the innovation that one company creates. And his contention was that the ruling will actually spur greater innovation because for the other companies to compete, like Samsung and others, they can't just copy. They've actually got to come up with new new innovations, and that's going to be good for everyone. Yeah. yeah I saw a uh, – y'all may have seen this picture. It was kind of floating around on the Internet of uh, three students in – uh, a classroom, two students were sitting next to each other, and then there was one student kind of in the background uh, scratching his head, and uh, the two students in the foreground, one uh, was doing his work, and uh, the label above him was Apple. The student next to him was looking over on the Apple student's paper, kind of copying, and then the Nokia, the guy in the background labeled Nokia, so it kind of gave a little visual representation of what some people think may be going on. <laughs> but, yeah, I saw uh, that. That was, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, the final thing I wanted to touch on was um, we've got something coming up here soon related to the iPhone, uh, launching a new version of the iPhone. The uh, September 12th is uh, supposedly the event date to um, announce that phone and uh, what, the changes are going to be and the upgrades, so that'll be kind of interesting. And then uh, September the 21st is what they're um, guesstimating that uh, the availability date would be. So um, I think AT&T and Verizon both have vac- vacation blackout dates uh, around September 21st for a week or two, so that's usually a good indication that something big is going to be happening in their stores, so that would most likely relate to um to the iPhone launch, and um, the the big thing I'm looking forward to in the, the new iPhone is the uh, LTE capability that's going to make it a lot faster from uh, the internet standpoint. And we don't, at least AT&T doesn't have uh, LTE in our area right now, but I think that's going to be coming soon. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, there are a number of other. Uh, things that people are expecting um, as far as um, either uh, a quad-core processor or maybe still a a dual-core that um, has some some new capabilities. They think it's going to be a little bit taller uh, that would probably put the screen ratio at a true 16 by 9 uh, image and then uh, a new dock connector and 
possibly the headphone jack is going to be on the bottom, uh, is what some people are um, projecting. And uh, Bluetooth, there may be may be a new Bluetooth version in this uh, this iPhone that would have a little bit lower power consumption and um, a few other things. They probably won't do a whole lot with the camera. I think the camera has uh, gotten such good reviews and ratings that um, there may not be a whole lot they, they need to upgrade on that. But have you guys uh, been following this any? Is there any particular... Uh, uh, upgrade that y'all are looking forward to or think you might um, be interested in? Well, uh, this is Tim. I, I, of course, like every iPhone user, <laughs> I'm interested in the newest uh, version. I think a, uh, a, a, a little bit larger screen would be nice, um, and uh, but as long as it still fits in your pocket well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I've heard that, you know, they're not going wider because um, they they want it to be easily put in and taken out of pockets. So that might be one reason they're trying to keep it uh, slim and just kind of adding to the uh, the height a little bit. Um, and I don't I don't really want to talk on a big <laughs> a big well, device. I, Some of them are a little bit too big for me already. So uh, yeah. I think that's a good approach. You know they've got. Uh, they're also talking about a, a mini iPad, uh, a 7.8 inch iPad screen. Um, that'll. I'm not really sure what I think about that right now. I'd, uh, you know, already with an iPhone and an iPad, and um, I guess they've done the research and feel like that's a uh, going to be a good size, a good device. But um, I'm kind of curious to see how that's really going to going to fit into their other products and their product line, if that's really going to be popular or not. Um, what do you all think? Do you think that's uh, going to catch on or have a place uh, for use? Well, I don't have a particular interest in a smaller iPad. I'm very happy with the form factor and the size of the existing one. But my guess is they're going up against the Amazon uh, Fire, I think it is. Uh, yeah. And that that would be for people who sent who essentially just want it to hold and read with it. So that that's my guess. Yeah, that may be, that may be. Of course, my approach to that was I just got a little uh, pillow stand for my iPad, so I can just sit and prop the uh, prop the iPad up in my lap, and I don't have to worry about holding it. But uh, anyway, uh, you're right. It's probably going to go up against the. Uh, some of the other devices that are out there and the price range if it stays you know relatively less expensive 250 300 dollars or whatever that would be um i guess tempting for a lot of people as well so um anyway we'll see uh we'll see shortly how all that plays out and uh we'll just keep following the news um here in the next few weeks uh, to watch for that so that was what I wanted to cover um, in kind of the technology trends of the day. And um, the next section wanted to uh, get some input from Tim. I didn't. I failed to mention that all three of us are um, uh, on the board of Briarwood Christian School. And uh, in uh, the fall of last year, 2011, uh, the three of us, along with some others, took a uh, a trip out to Cupertino in California and spent a couple of days with uh, 
the folks at Apple and some of their education people, and they gave us a, uh, a really good uh, overview of a lot of their um, tools and um, technology. And without saying much more than that, I'll let Tim kind of give us a, a recap of that and uh, what he felt was really beneficial from that. Yeah, Bill, I, uh, of course, we all three had a fabulous time. I was so impressed with the company. I mean, I had the first uh, Macintosh in 1984. And it was a really working machine for me. Uh, and so it was a great uh, 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 privilege to go out there uh, with y'all. And I was amazed at the way they treated us. We... I think there were some, there was at least one Fortune 500 company, maybe one Fortune 100 company whose group was out there uh, getting updated on Apple technology because many of them were uh, considering a switch from uh, Windows products to to um, to Apple products and their companies. So, um, but I think I was... Uh, most impressed with their um, uh, description of schools who had uh, started using Apple products and the way it revolutionized uh, their learning so that most of them were learning in in groups. And what I'm sure this didn't uh, surprise uh, Barrett, but it surprised me that they were studying in groups and using their iPads or Mac Airs for uh, not just making movies in a, a class uh, for movie making or music making. Uh, they were using it in math classes and uh, and in English class and writing uh, themes and papers and integrating video into them and they were working in teams of four or five students. And so the, uh, just seeing the transformation of how, uh, students learn now and how that can be enabled around, uh, these Apple products just amazed me. I, uh, I know that Barrett already knew that and that's why he was pushing forward for the one to one. Uh, uh, program at Briarwood School, but it it just amazed me the way uh, new ways that students are learning, and that's very important in our profession in science because uh, we do uh, experiments in in teams and relatively small teams where each person has critical responsibilities, and uh, we have to use everyone has to use technology in those teams. We're doing wet lab experiments where we're cutting DNA and splicing DNA and putting that into cells or in uh, back into human cells, ultimately for treatment of humans. But all of the information, of course, is, is digital now and is on our uh, Macintoshes. And all of our students, our graduate students and our postdocs and other faculty members on the team are sharing that information uh, rapidly, and our students in high school have to learn to, to do that or they won't be uh, competitive in uh, a global economy. So 
I, I was just amazed at Apple's commitment to uh, bringing this technology, this new ways of learning uh, to uh, junior high school kids and and high school kids. And they've had this program for many, many years. Barrett, I think they, it's, they've had an education wing for over 20 years. Isn't that correct? Uh, yes, uh, education has been one of Apple's primary uh, point of focus for really from the very beginning. Uh, Steve Jobs had always felt like that computers and technology ought to transform education, and so that's to, to borrow from your field, Tim. That's part of the DNA, I think, of yeah. Apple uh, <laughs> is education. And we just recently had uh, about five Apple trainers in our campus for several days of training. And just like our experience in Cupertino, that they were outstanding. Not only were they very gracious and giving to, of themselves to our staff, uh, but all of their training was not so much about push this button and click over here to get this to happen. It was here's what this looks like teaching English. Here's what this looks like teaching a math or a science class uh, or how you might use it in in, uh, in choral music or what have you. And I'll tell you, the teachers, they probably didn't have quite the same experience as going to Cupertino, but they were awestruck by the possibilities and the potential of what this uh, technology can actually do. And the thing that I really appreciated that Apple did was they did not send a salespeople to us. They sent certified teachers who were also expert on the technology, and that makes all the difference in the world when you're trying to implement something with your staff. Right. right. Yeah, and Tim, as you were alluding to, um, the the group-based learning or the uh, project-type learning, um, you know, that's not only – Important in in junior high and high school, uh, but also as you know, you move into higher education and the working world, and you know, so much is uh, is done with collaboration and interacting with others, and um, you know, the the tools and the technologies just uh, really enable that to to. Uh, be useful in so many different ways, and the kids have to learn how to uh, take advantage of that and make the most of it and be efficient with that uh, to be able to you know, get a leg up when they move into the working world. So I think this is uh, critical that they learn how to do that uh, at this level in, in high school and move forward. So that was another thing that I, I pretty much uh, got out of uh, that trip and, and saw that there was a real emphasis on that. Yeah, and well, just one other thing, uh, it, it, I think it instilled in me even more that uh, that we teach our children at home and we're teaching our students at school. We're teaching our Ph.D. students in science that uh, you, you can no longer be satisfied that your performance is better than the person sitting next to you your performance is going to be judged against the performance of the student at your level in Tokyo or in Singapore or in San Francisco or anywhere in the world. And so uh, they have to function at a high level and communicate at a high level because the jobs of the future and the companies of the future are uh, are going to be uh, – uh, well, they're going to be competing with all students in the world for those uh, companies and those uh, jobs. So we right. have to train them, and I think Apple does a fabulous job at uh, helping us train them. 
Right. Okay. Well, anything else from that trip, Barrett? Did you have anything you wanted to to add from that? I know that was a uh, special time for me as well, but um, didn't know what you might want to add. The only thing uh, that I would add to it is I, I left uh, the trip with almost one word on my mind in terms of education in general and even our own school, and that is the need to continuously elevate, continue raising the standard of everything that we do, uh, from the appearance of the campus to the way we provide training to the technology that we use uh, to the way even we treat people. That was what I had experienced at Apple, and I thought, you know, that needs to carry over to our educational institutions as well. Right. Yeah, and I think that was great that, uh, you know, some of the administration was able to, to be there and experience that as well. And, um, yeah, I would just uh, add uh, my thoughts, the same thing as you. Um, it was top-notch and, and first class all the way around. So um, I think that's a good a good uh, way to, to enter into this program and with their support and background and experience over the course of you know 20 plus years um, they have a, a big commitment to education so so I think that's great um, all right well we can move into our last section then just kind of wrap up um, and as I mentioned earlier I kind of wanted to share uh, one app and one Twitter following uh, that each one of us may have uh, come across in the last uh, few weeks that seems to be beneficial and I'll kick it off with um, an application that I uh, recently found out about. It's called uh, Solver. I think it's spelled uh, S-O-U-L-V-E-R. And um, it's a fairly unique um, little application. It's primarily a, a calculator or just a real simple spreadsheet that um, uh, it's got two columns. One on the left uh, is where you actually put in an equation, or a, uh, and you can you can uh, type it out in in uh, uh, language form, so it doesn't have to be all numbers. And uh, on the right hand side is the result. So you've got two columns. You work on the left hand side, and the right hand side gives you your result. And as you move through it, it moves from line to line, and you can, um, yeah, you can set up variables. You can say on one line A equals 50, and next line B equals 100, and then you can do an A plus B, and it'll calculate all that out for you on the right side. So it's basically a calculator without uh, numbers or a keypad, and it's a lot more freeform, and it's pretty interesting. It'll also do conversion so you can say a uh, hundred dollars uh, in euros and it'll give you what it equates to what a hundred dollars equates to in euros on the the right hand side and you can do percentages you can do it recognizes uh, symbols like if you just say 10k it knows that you're talking about 10,000 and uh, it's uh, it's pretty unique and different and uh, pretty easy to work with so uh, I'm starting to use it. It's uh, on the Mac as well as the iPad and the iPhone. I think on the Mac it's $12, and uh, on the iPad and iPhone it's about $3. So uh, it's not too expensive, but it seems like it's pretty uh, pretty valuable tool. And uh, you can also save 
save your workout to a, a, a file, and you can also just drag and drop import uh, numbers and, and uh, items into it as well. So got a lot of functionality, yet it's still pretty uh, simple and straightforward, and um, you know, it's something that uh, you might find useful uh, in, in your work. And then, then the Twitter following, um, and this is just uh, somebody that, you know, each week I may have uh, run across that uh, seems to have a lot of good information that they uh, put out on Twitter uh, periodically. And um, the person I was going to uh, recommend or highlight today was uh, is Sir Ken Robinson. And he's, um, uh, you may be familiar with uh, that name. He's a Ph.D., a uh, very recognized leader in um uh, the development of education, creativity, and innovation, and uh, has just a lot of good insights uh, and, and thoughts as it relates to education and changes that uh, need to take place in education. I think he's put out several videos on uh, uh, TED in the TED conference, and um, I was reading somewhere where over 200 million people have uh, viewed his uh his talks and TED Talks, so that carries a pretty good bit of weight, I would think, and uh, that shows that he's pretty well respected. But uh, if you're not following him now, you might want to add him to your uh, your Twitter Twitter followings, and uh, uh, you probably get some uh, useful and um, interesting insights from him uh, from time to time. So, um, Barrett, do you have uh, you have anything you want to offer tonight? Uh, yes, uh, I have an application that I use on my Mac now that also works with your iPad called Scrivener. It's S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R, and it is specifically, <laughs> excuse me, it's specifically designed for writing. Uh, it is the world's, apparently, my understanding is, uh, the most used application by novelists and uh, academic writers and things of that nature. And the beauty of the program is that it has all the tools and functionality you'd want for outlining uh, your writing project. You can use a uh, like a corkboard type of format if you want to use an index card to organize things, or you can use outlining to do it. But what's particularly intriguing about it is, is that in addition to that, it also has all of your database for all of your research and some quick launch uh, uh additions to the program. So if I'm on a website or I'm reading something on a Kindle or whatever it might be, I find a quote or something that I want to keep up with or a photograph or a movie or anything, I can immediately send it to the research portion of this program, and then I have immediate access to all of my research, all of my writing, all of my citations and everything within the same program, and then it syncs with my iPad and my iPhone. Uh, that's particularly useful in the iPad, so if I'm traveling and I want to do a little bit of work and I didn't bring my, my big computer uh, or I run across an article, I said, boy, that would be a helpful quote or a piece of information for the book, whatever, I can immediately launch into the uh, – put it into the iPad, and then when I open up my MacBook, it will show up in the same program. It also has automatic uh, backups uh, to the cloud uh, and or to an external drive. And so it is a fa fabulous product for writing, and I plan to introduce it to our literature and history teachers uh, to train students perhaps how to use that product for their own writing itself. Uh, it's, uh, that's the name of the product. It's actually on their website, and the website is literature and latte. That's one phrase, literatureandlatte.com, 
and that's where you'd find that uh, that writing application. It is the best I have ever found, and I've looked for a lot of them. So I would highly recommend it to those who are involved, whether it's writing a blog or writing uh, the Great American Novel, either one. Uh, it's good for that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great tool. I've been using that recently myself. But I didn't realize that they've uh, released the the iPad version, so that must have just happened recently. Yes, yes, it's an excellent, excellent product. And then in so far as Twitter, uh, boy, I follow quite a few folks and or uh, groups on Twitter, but one I would particularly recommend that has, is germane to this podcast would be EdTech. Um, that is a great uh, group to follow. There are a lot of thousands of people, I think, that are followers of the EdTech group, and uh, there's all sorts of postings on uh, on that Twitter feed. Uh, of everything from research articles to quotes from other people on Twitter uh, to videos, whatever it might be. I found that to be a tremendous resource for keeping up with what's going on with technology in education. So that's EdTech. Okay, great. Great. Thank you, Barrett. Uh, Tim, I didn't, didn't give you much notice, I don't think, but uh, do you have anything to uh, to add to that? Well, I I don't have anything nearly as erudite as <laughs> That's okay. All right. I the the most functional app I have gotten recently is more of for enjoyment than education, and it was because I had to be out of town a lot during the Olympics, and I got a sling box to uh, hook up to my broadband so that I could view the Olympics from anywhere in the world. And I was amazed that uh, even in uh, uh, China, I could watch the Olympics on my iPhone. So, and you didn't have to listen to it in Chinese, right? <laughs> so it was, it obviously it was my own uh, uh, television here. So I, I was amazed at that. I didn't think that it would work nearly as well. And we, we do have fairly good broadband here, and so even the high-density images, uh, it worked through the phone and on my iPad. So That's I pretty amazing, that. yeah. Um, uh, Tim, I thought for sure you were going to say it was Angry Birds. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite that. <laughs> uh, Maybe not so interesting to most of our listeners, but I used that slim box. Cool. Now the Twitter, I, I'm really not a Twitter follower. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, uh, I one book that I've read just on my iPad recently is by uh, David Brooks called The Social Animal. He's, uh, of course, writes for the uh, New York Times, and uh, it's a very, very interesting uh, book. My son's a second year medical student here at UAB, and he read it, and I read it, uh, and we're comparing notes. So, Okay, so you're going to turn your, your piece into a, a book review then, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That'll work. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you, guys. That's our, uh, our first show. I hope you got something out of it and see how this could be uh, beneficial to you as we move forward. And um, if you like what you heard, tell your friends about this podcast and watch for uh, future episodes coming soon and uh, 
I think I speak for all of us in saying thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.